EcoHealth, your internet radio. Dag en goedemiddag. Good afternoon, Salbona. Diederik, welcome back. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of shows this week. This is becoming a habit. <laughs> it's a lack of habit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today we're heading towards Durban. Yeah, we are. Durban. Durban's featured a good couple of times in our story. And I'm pretty sure we all remember Mr. Dick King. Oh, yes. <laughs> Here we go. He became kind of prominent in... Uh, in our story along the along the end too, but uh, I think today what we're going to start tackling is let's let's do the N3, the massive highway that takes or sits between Johannesburg and Durban. Yeah, and that happens to connect South Africa's largest and third largest city. Obviously, Johannesburg being the largest, and then Durban. Yeah. And it's a whole 589 kilometers. Yes. <laughs> now it's about a six-hour drive. That's about a six-hour drive. And officially in Joburg, the start of the N3 is actually at the Woodmead Interchange. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Because the, yeah. N1, the N1 comes up from the south. It bends around Soweto, around the, the, um, the, the western side of Johannesburg. It yeah. goes across through Randburg, Sunning Hill. Then you've got yes. the big interchange off to Pretoria. Then that section of the highway up to Pretoria is actually the N1. Yes. So the N1, if you carry straight down south N1, you actually get off the N1 and go on the M1 through Johannesburg, the motorway one. That's why it's called yes. M1. Yeah. But at that interchange, the N3 actually branches off down to Durban. Yes. So that's the start Past of Eden the actual Vale N3. and those places. And then you bend off. Yeah, you get, you, you, at the Woodmead interchange, you bend down south through Bedford View, Edenvale. Yeah. You wind around Germiston and uh, Rand Airport. Yeah. And our first little point of interest there, and it's a, a little bit of an unknown one, and I don't know what the future of it is going to be, because it's actually the South African Airways Museum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we wait with bated breath to see what happens with South African Airways at the moment. I think after yeah. bailout number 25... I'm not sure that they're still around. Yeah, they should just quit while they're they, they, they seem to be. They <laughs> seem, but they seem to be able to, to to hang on. Yeah, but there's the most magic South African Airways Museum situated on the eastern side of Rand Airport. Yeah, and the Boeing that they used on the '95. Absolutely, Le Bombo. Uh, yeah, the Boeing 747-244B called Le Bombo. Yeah, I actually proposed in that thing. You proposed yes. in Le Bombo. Yes. <laughs> and I actually knew the pilot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Laurie Kay. <laughs> uh, isn't that awesome, eh? Okay. <laughs> Can I quickly tell the story? Don't you go for it. Okay, my ex, uh, she was working at NetK911 there in uh, Midrand. Um, so I organized uh, that one of her girlfriends takes her out and then the paramedics is going to kidnap her uh, completely, uh, uh, cover her eyes with the bandages and stuff. And they were driving around, getting her all confused and stuff. And they took her up the stairs of the Boeing. And uh, then they took off the, in the first class section, uh, they took off the bandages off her eyes. And there was me with a ring. <laughs> 
Hello. <laughs> awesome. Uh, now you have a constant reminder of that parking at um, Rand Airport. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like but um, it's actually it's a stunning little museum. They've got all sorts of historic items of models and old crew uniforms and yeah, all sorts of bits and pieces. But obviously they've got the most magnificent static display outside of old aircraft. I mean, they've got the old Junkers Ju-52, that funny little corrugated iron thing with the three engines. Oh, yeah, They've yeah. got that thing standing there. They've got old Lockheed Lodestar. They've got De Havilland. They've got an old De Havilland Dove, which was one of the first aircraft ever used oh, by Cyrigan Airways. Yeah. They've got a Vickers Viking. They've got um, and the like DC-3. a Boeing 747. They've actually got two 747s there. They've got a, oh. a Boeing 747 SP as well, Maluti. Okay. So that, that that series of aeroplanes that we had then, the 747s, all named after um, mountain ranges. Ah, okay. That's why we've got the Maluti, we've got the Labombo, we had the Drakensberg, yeah. we had you know, the Soapbunsberg. Yeah. They, they were all 747s <laughs> in, our, in our fleet. Yeah. They're all the DC-3 and DC-4. Yeah. I sent D- my mother on the DC-3 for Mother's Day. Yeah, the DC-3, <laughs> the, the army guys will remember the DC-3, the old Dax. Yeah. The Parabets jumping out of the DC-3s and one of our general transport planes. They've got a DC-4 Skymaster there, and I think that was the aeroplane when the first time I went to Europe with my parents. I mean, I, I think I was like three or four years old or something. Oh, yeah. And that was still, we, we, we landed in, God, I think we landed in Kinshasa, and then we landed in the Canary Islands, and then eventually we made it to Holland. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, yeah. that was an expedition in those days. <laughs> yeah. But it's really, really worthwhile. And I mean, some, there's some stunning stories. I mean, there's one, there's one story on their website where they actually described how they got a 737. They got a 737 there now as well. Uh, some, one day they just get a phone call. Hi, yeah. do you want a 737? Oh. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> cool, we'll bring it in. Like a couple of days later, massive flight of activity. A couple of days later, he flies a 737. Yeah. And the company that owned it, it was just too expensive for it to go through its next airworthy check and oh. revamp and all the rest because okay. they just donated a 737 to the museum have an aeroplane oh. there you go <laughs> there you go have a 737 that's so nice so for the aviation enthusiasts it is um, definitely worthwhile popping in there to the to the Rand Airport yeah and Rand yeah. Airport is one of those cool airports you can still sit a, sit at a little cafe behind the fence and watch the aeroplanes. Yes, yes. Uh, Joburg International, that's gone. Cape Town International, that's gone. The other, only other place that's even sort of close to that is Lanseria. Yeah. Because they've got that, that upper deck there where you can stand and watch yes. the aeroplanes. I love Lanseria. I remember my son once, we were sitting there, and I think I was flying to Cape Town or something years ago, and uh, Kalula landed. And he says, oh, Dad, Dad, look, 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 there's, there's, there's the, um, oh, God, what's that horrible lime green drink that they call... <laughs> um, <laughs> what's, what's, that, what's that thing called? That, 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 that lime, the ah uh, man, not spot. straight out of my head. <laughs> it's not <spot. laughs> the cream soda plane. Cream soda. <laughs> <laughs> There's the cream soda plane. The cream soda plane. <laughs> but Rand Airport's one of those little spots where you, where it actually you can actually, when you're sitting there you can actually still smell the fumes and the exhaust yeah, and the yeah. gas and stuff. I mean, awesome stuff. But then a little bit of a sobering reminder. Once you're now bending out down, down on the N3 and you're going there past, past Germiston, there's a little sad memorial there called the, the Hennenmann Air Crash Memorial. And it's at the Newmarket Racecourse. Okay. And 
That was the what was called the Henenman Air Disaster, which is a Dakota, which is a chartered flight, which crashed down near that little town called Henenman in the Free State okay. in April 1988. And we lost 13 jockeys on that Sure. On that flight, yeah. it was one of the prior, one of these charters to bring the, the you know the race the racing community down yeah. between these different events, and uh, yeah, thirteen jockeys, two owners, five officials, one trainer, and three crew members died in that crash. Sure. So that's a bit of a sad one. That uh, yeah, it still happens when you fly, but flying is obviously still safer than being on the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially these days. Oh my soul. But then, as you as you sort of going going down there, you've you head out through these these these, these weird like flatlands full of reeds and water beds and swamplands and all the rest of becoming very very overgrown. But we did a very interesting study when I was at university, in that that those those flaylands there form a huge part of Johannesburg's water treatment system. Yeah. Um, they actually deliberately pump water in the one end and take it out the other end, and it's a natural filter. Oh, And one, okay. of our, one of our biology courses, we actually took samples of water right from the inflow of where the bad water comes in, yeah. then several spots down through these flaylands, and then where the water was, was being collected again. Yeah. And those flaylands just about cleaned the water on its own. Wow. <laughs> very, very, very yeah. interesting study we did, like the bacterial count and the, the, all, all that kind of good stuff on that water. Yeah. And a very, very interesting little study that came out of that. So it's actually kind of sad to see the building encroachment and stuff onto those areas. Yeah. Because you're now messing with the water supply. Yeah. And it also doesn't help if there's massive and building encroachment on the southern end of those water, or, the, or those flays yeah. with all the pollution, because now the pollution is going straight back into where the water should be clean. Yeah, so you're destroying the whole you, ecosystem. Yeah, so there. you're destroying that whole thing. Yeah. But when you next time you drive in there, realize it's part of Joburg water. Yeah. And it's just an interesting part of their entire cleanup system. Mm-hmm. But then as you're going down the N3, in the distance on the right-hand side, you start seeing a little mountain range. And that's actually the Seikobosrand. Okay. The Sugarbush Ridge. Sokobos. Yeah. Sokobos is a colloquial name for one of our local protea flowers. Yeah. Or protea plants. But nestled at the foot of the Sokobos runt is a little town called Heidelberg. Oh, yes. Heidelberg. And a couple of little surprises in Heidelberg there as well. And again, we've got to concentrate once again on the concentration camp monument. There's a concentration camp monument in Heidelberg. Yeah. Again, it was a situation of one of those many, many, many concentration camps um, dotted around South Africa. But this, this is a slightly slightly different one in that this one actually commemorates both the blacks and the whites that died in the concentration camps. Oh, okay. The history and sort of the nationalism always tends to focus on the white suffering in these yeah. concentration camps of the Boer women and children who died. And I'm not saying we don't do that. But yeah. there's very little commemoration of the as many, if not more, concentrations for the black farm workers yeah. that were set up as well. And that sort of tends to get a little bit sidelined in, in our history. But uh, I reckon somewhere around 2,000, 2,000-odd internees were, were in that camp, of which 400 died. So, I mean, do the maths there on the percentage death rate of that. Yeah. It was also one of the very, very early ones over there. And they've got here yeah, that uh, 
just over 600 women and children died there as well. So I'm not sure. That, I think that the, the, the 400 is, is from the black concentration camp. 400 yeah. out of 200 of the blacks died in that camp. 624 women and children died in the in the, in the camp there as well. So again, a little bit, little bit sobering, and yeah. um, one of those little memorials that, that stuff that keeps on popping up right around the country. And I guess just an indicator of how deep that actually sits in the memory. Yes. And then, of course, we've also got the an, an interesting one, which is called the Dreammanskap Monument. Dreammanskap. The Dreammanskap Monument. Okay. And it's like this little pyramid needle thing on a on a little plinth. Okay. And it um, honors the three Transvaal leaders during the first Anglo-Boer War. Now, we haven't seen too many, too much on the first Anglo-Boer War. First Anglo-Boer War, eighteen eighty to eighteen eighty-one. Yeah, we've mentioned it once or twice, which because it ended with the Battle of Majuba. Yeah, after which the British surrendered to South Africa, which is actually always a warm fuzzy feeling. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it commemorates the three leaders: Paul Kruger, P.T. Bar, and M.W. Pretorius. Yeah, and why in Heidelberg? Because Heidelberg was the capital of the, the Republic fighting against Great Britain until until the victory at Majuba. Okay. They actually moved the capital into the town of Heidelberg. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. So, interesting little piece of history there, and that's why we have that Dreammanskap monument. And then we have a rather notable guy, Mr. Archia Fisser. Archia Fisser, yes. Do you know Mr. Archia Fisser? Yeah. <laughs> the, and I've got to get this one right. Die Pert van Skimmelpertpan. <laughs> Die Pert van Skimmelpertpan. <laughs> which oh is... Soul actually his seminal work which is considered to be um, one of his best works but yeah, a very yeah. very noted Afrikaans <laughs> author medical doctor and there's a little museum there in Heidelberg dedicated to Archie Fisser okay I know it was taking a little bit of strain before the pandemic I've got no idea if it is actually managed, managed to survive yeah so it's going to be an interesting exercise to do uh, uh a checkup on all these smaller little museums that we got dotted around the country yeah, to see actually yeah. who, who managed it. who managed to actually survive there. Yeah, and again for the um, aviation guys, just a little bit off to the east, we've got the Harvard Aircraft Memorial. Harvard Aircraft Memorial. The Harvard Aircraft Memorial. Okay. Now, why is it there? Because it's in Danota, Dan- Danota in Nigel, where the old South African Air Force Training Academy was. Okay. And they used okay. the Harvards as the training aircraft, that beautiful yeah. radial 16-cylinder engine that you used to hear roaring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where base just stands out there. So a little bit off. Okay, it's not. It's not. It's a little bit, little bit away from the N3. Yeah. But it's just a. It's an interesting one there, because. Those those aircraft came right through from the early 1940s. I think the first the first ones were bought bought into South Africa in about 1942. So okay. they were even, possibly even World War II trainers at that stage. Yeah, yeah. And they lasted many 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 years, and there was much much, much sadness when eventually they got um, binned as trainers. But I mean, it's a really old yeah. piston piston powered aircraft. Beautiful. I love that noise of those yeah. of those Harvards. Yeah. And I mean that airplane dates back to 1935. 
So sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that I mean a couple of them managed to stay in South Africa when the, when eventually the Harvard fleet was was was, was retired as, as a, a retired. That's the best yeah. word. Retired. A lot of them were bought. There were a lot of them were bought up privately. A lot of them went back to the U.S. But okay. a couple of them still yeah. survive in South Africa. And I know that there's a kind of Harvard club that still flies them every once in a while. Okay, and every once cool. in a while you can see two or three of these two or three of these flying in formation. Yeah, just those kind of cool kind of cool memories. And then, as we come down down the N three, there's there's not actually once you sort of pass that that Seiko boss runt, you again you sort of sitting there a little bit in in that sort of farfalata fluctus. Kind of kind of kind of zone. I mean, you you've got in the far distance off on the right hand side, you've got the Val Dam. Yeah, you know, so you could bend off down that side, but you you de- generally hitting kind of flat maze lands and not a not a heck of a lot else. Yeah, but off a little bit off to the east, you've now got the little town of Balfour. Now, there's a couple of really really little weird ones in Balfour because you've got. The Fortrek Memorial in Balfour, again, 1938 um, Great Trek Memorial, the 100th anniversary of the, of, the, of the Great Trek. A lot of these little villages have got these 38 centenary Trek memorials. Yeah, the one in Balfour yeah. is an interesting one because it's actually a massive ox wheel, ox wagon wheel. Okay. Yes. Reminiscent of the pizzas that we ate in Poch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember the pizzas. <laughs> but, you know, you've got like the ox wagon, the, the hub is the center of the memorial and the actual spokes are on the ground and the, the, the actual wheel is around there. So it's just a very, very different design, which is a kind of, kind of interesting one. Yeah. But then just outside of town in Balfour as well, you've got an interesting little spot called Barnardskop. 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 It's not the Barnard that got away from the police. No, well, who knows? Who knows if there's a far relation of old Kenya? Yeah. But there's a little monument there in honor of the first three Fortrick families who settled in the Balfour area uh, straight after the Great Trek. Now, there's a, there's a, a couple of interesting little, little stories attached to this lot. And again, these are... This memorial, this particular one, was unveiled in 1988. So again, 150-year anniversary, Great Trek. Yeah. And you got to understand, I mean, the Great Trek is a massive, massive movement. They estimate 15,000 of people actually exited the Cape Colony and um, settled into the central areas of southern Africa. Yeah. But... There's a family there that's from, of the Van Heerden family, and there's a little monument there in memory of Hans and Jan van Heerden. Okay. And it's situated on the land where their family farm was, their childhood farm called Brandkral. Okay. And Hans van Heerden has the dubious honor of being the youngest Boer prisoner of war taken captive by the British forces during the Anglo-Boer War of 1890-1902. Sure, Okay. And I don't know if you remember, we spoke about the Penkop. Penkop, yeah, the yeah. The Penkop yeah. monument. Yes. This little guy, when he was taken prisoner of war, was seven years old. Yeah, okay. 
And as much as I think you can malign the British for their policies and concentration camps and, 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 they did have a very clear distinction between non-combatants and combatants. Okay. And the whole story of Breaker Morant with that guy, I know we, we, we touched on Breaker Morant, remember that one? That Australian who, who shot the guy in, in British uniform? Yeah, yeah. The Anglo-Boer War saw an awful lot of children fighting in the Boer commandos against the British. Yeah. And they were considered to be combatants. Sure. So it's seven years old. Years seven old. years old. Yes, Jan. Oh, sorry, Hans. Because Jan, Jan was ten years old. Hans was seven, Jan was ten. They were taken as prisoner of war and considered to be combatants and were sent to prisoner of war camp in Ceylon or Sri Lanka. Oh, okay. Jeez, up there. Yeah. And the Boer prisoners, prisoners of war were sent all over the place. Ceylon was one. Um, St. Helena Island was another one. Oh, yes. I know. Um, there was another one in, 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 I think it was Barbados or Bermuda. Sorry, Bermuda was another one. Because then the British knew there's no ways that they can come back. <laughs> <coughs> they can't come back and do anything. So, uh, it's just a kind of, again, sobering. Seven years old. Yeah. It's necessary to pick up a rifle and fight for your country. Yes. <laughs> then you got Johanna, Johanna Barnard's grave on Barnard's Corp. And she was already living there by 1838. So that was really right at the front of the, of the Great Trek, right at the yes. beginning of that Great Trek. But she died of shock one day. Of shock? Of shock. Okay. Because she um, opened the front door and there was a lion staring at her. Oh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I might have a... Dirty pair of underwear. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, that is just again one of the <laughs> one of the, one of the more interesting ones. And Barnard's Corp produces a, a whole lot of a lot of little interesting spots. Again, if you if you've got the app and you and you focus in on Barnard's Corp and you open it up, all yeah. sorts of little dots open up underneath what you think is the one little dot because there's all sorts of little weird oh, weird okay. spots there. Yeah. So again, <clears throat> and there's a guy there by the name of Kurt Biermann. Kurt Biermann is also also um, buried there, and he, he committed suicide in July 1930. Okay. But it's a, it's a bit of a complicated story. The guy by the name of Hein Pretorius, who's an elder in the local church, was known to have been a joiner during the Anglo-Boer War. A what? A joiner. A joiner. And there were okay. a couple of these names that came out of that war. One was a joiner, one was a hensopper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a hensopper. A hensopper is a guy who surrendered. Okay. A hensopper. Hensopper. Oh, okay. <laughs> and a joiner was someone okay. who, and again, it gets kind of complicated because at that stage, you've got to remember the Cape Colony and Natal were British. So the yeah. citizens of those two colonies were obligated to fight on the side of the British. Yeah. And if they didn't and went and fought on the poor side, they were considered to be traitors and when caught were shot. Yeah. Because yeah. they were traitors. And you had exactly the same on the other side in the Free State and the Zuid-Afrikaanse Republic. You yeah. were obligated to fight on the side of the Boers. Yeah. And if you didn't and joined the British, you were considered to be a joiner. Okay. And as a joiner, you were also a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and these divisions, I mean, this, this, this stuff broke families apart. 
Yeah, yeah, I you can know, imagine. Yeah, you, you can imagine. I mean, here, here you got say your your half your family's living living in in Natal and you living in the Transvaal, and now suddenly cousins are fighting against, against each, each other. Against each other, yeah. Two, uh, yeah, okay. it, it gets it gets very complicated and um, and and messy. Yeah, but uh, you know, Birman commits suicide, but Pretorius now is a joiner. He now thinks that Birman was a murderer because he killed himself. <laughs> I think that's an interesting way to interpret the law and an interesting way to interpret what happens there. But Pretorius obviously had some kind of vendetta against this guy. Yeah. He didn't yeah. want to give him a proper funeral. He would, you know, and the community as a whole didn't enjoy Pretorius's plan and actually gave Birman a proper... Pretorius wanted to pull the, pull him on a sleigh, not on a horse and a carriage, yeah, and yeah. all sorts of weird stuff happened. Oh my soul! But um, <laughs> an interesting one there is that Birman was buried facing east, east west instead of north south. Ah, and that okay. was traditionally f- for murderers and for rob- and for robbers. Okay. If you go to Pilgrim's Rest, is the famous robber's grave. Okay. Everyone else is facing one direction. Robber's grave is at 90 degrees. (laughs) 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 And um, the belief was that if you were buried the wrong way, you wouldn't see the sunrise. So you would not see the return of Jesus Christ. Ah, okay. That was that. That's the rationale. Yeah. um, Behind it. And no one's ever really uncovered this feud between Pretorius and, and Birman. Yeah, yeah. There was just this huge antagonism there, and that's why we've got um, one grave facing the wrong way there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird mentality. <laughs> yeah, there's other two other guys here, and we're talking about that traitor thing. And there's two graves there of Peter Bauer and Adolf van Emmenus. Okay. And they were two Boer soldiers who actually joined the British forces in the Transvaal. So now you've got two joiners here. <laughs> and they were caught and prosecuted in front of a court-martial. Okay. So they actually had a proper trial. Yeah. And they were executed and buried by a Boer firing squad. Sure. Okay. So uh, there you have sort of the reality of what's happening there. You've got, you know, you've got these two kids of seven and ten who get sent off to Salon... Yeah, you've got the joiners now executed by firing squad, all in the same place. So then you can imagine those divisions and that tension within the communities. Yeah, all focused around this kind of thing. Now, do you know if the Van Hedens ever came back from the concentration camps? Or I don't know. I can check up for you. I would yeah. imagine that they did. the 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 prisoner of war camps actually weren't weren't as terrible as the concentration camps in South Africa. Oh, they were actually okay. reasonably reasonably well run. Look, I don't think it was a pleasant place to be. Yeah, but still, yeah. Uh, certainly wasn't a concentration camp as as we know it here. Yeah, in South Africa, I'll, I'll ask Emil, our our, hist- our history guru, and see what he comes up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. And then there's another interesting little place there called Skuilkrans. 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 It's a little kraal or corral. Yeah. Interesting one again. Corral is a is a Portuguese word. We touched on this in that English on that Afrikaans yeah. language one. Yes. That, 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 corral. 
it's in, English has adopted it, but Afrikaans turned it to kraal. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> and there's a little place there called Skoelkrans, where several of the Boers managed to successfully hide their ox wagons, horse carriages, and personal belongings Yeah, in a little kloof over there because they saw the British coming, burning all the farms and doing all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> and they realized that, um, look, their farm's going to be burnt. Yeah. But at least they could save their possessions. Yeah. yeah. And that little kraal and stuff still exists there as well. <clears throat> then just carrying on down now, just, just to the south of the actual Val Dam, you've got the little town called Frankfurt. Ah, Frankfurt. It's not exactly on the N3, but again, you can do one of these little triangles, little detour things if you if you want to. Now, the town dates back to the 1870s and was originally supposed to be called Castle. C-A-S-S-E-L. So it's going okay. to be called Castle or Castle. Yeah. But um, along comes this German land surveyor and turns around and says, Listen, guys. Um, I'll survey your town for free. Okay. If you call it Frankfurt, because that's my birthplace. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So so town council has a meeting and decides, you know, that's going to save us an awful lot of money. So Castle gets kicked out the window and the town henceforth is known as Frankfurt. (laughs) So it's actually named after Frankfurt, I mean, in Germany. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wonderful. (laughs) And... uh, it's one of those little towns, I mean, during the Anglo-Boer War, it was almost completely flat and the churches were done and it was rebuilt. It's, it's actually quite a pleasant, pleasant little town Yeah, to drive through now. And then again, there's long stretches of flat, flat nothing. You go down through, through Warden and little places like that, not much, not much to report there. But you now get <coughs> down to Harry Smith. Yeah. Okay, I think before we touch on Harry Smith, let's go listen to some music. If I can get this thing to work. The internet is seriously bugging me around today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to mention something. I think it was with the airplanes or something. I can't remember now, but hopefully I'll remember soon. But in any case, let's go listen to some CCR. Ooh. Okay, we are back. Now, I buggered up the CCR number. <sighs> Not very happy about that one because I love CCR. But in any case, let's continue uh, down the M3 towards, uh, what did you say the last place we're was? Now, we're now heading into Harry Smith. Harry Smith, yes. And you've come yeah. over this long, flat, plateau kind of area. And as you're heading into Harry Smith now, now we start hitting, hitting the escarpment. And now the road turns interesting. And just after Harry Smith, of course, you've got Van Rienen's Pass. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so Harry Smith is decision point. Carry on the N3 down down, down Van Rienen's. Or you can actually swing off down towards the Starkfontein Dam and go down the Olivier's Hook Pass. Okay. Nice. And they're both beautiful, beautiful drives. But in Harry Smith, again, Harry Smith is one of the little funny little towns that produces a couple of gems. And going into town... If you go and look at the, at the town hall, the town hall is worth having a look at anyway. It's a beautiful old building there. Yeah. But there's a massive petrified tree lying in, a, in the park right in front of the oh. Harry Smith Town uh, Hall. Petrified is most... Uh, 
kind of turned to stone. Yeah, yeah. It's an old tree that's been turned to stone. Is it, they, they estimate this this particular one, 250 million year old pet, uh, petrified tree. Sure. Wow. And it's a daddy zolong species, which is an early form of conifer. Now, conifer is uh, kind of like a pine tree kind of family. Those are one of the those are one okay. of the older types yeah, of yeah. of trees mm-hmm. that came through. And I, think uh, I would know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically, what happens? The thing, the thing falls over in a swamp, and then yeah. slowly the cell, the cells start absorbing some of the minerals from the water and silica, yeah. and um, you know replaces the cell walls, and that eventually becomes stone. And yeah. actually, interesting because you can actually see the the tree rings and the bark, and you see the knots in the wood where the branches grew out. Oh, that's awesome! But it's a really interesting little specimen. Um. In front there, and and, they, and it comes out of the Harry Smith area. Yeah. And the, in in Harry Smith itself again, that conflict of the Anglo Boer War stands out because you got a beautiful statue there, which is a monument to both the Grenadier Guards and the Scots Guards. Okay. And they served. In that area, it's a beauty, beautiful Celtic cross. On the, the, all the names of the fallen are engraved on panels oh, around the Celtic cross. Nice. And both of those battalions were based in Harry Smith. The 2nd Battalion Grenadier Guards and the 2nd Battalion Scots Guards. Yeah. And, of course, the Guards Battalions are some of the premier regiments of the British Army. And even though they were never really involved in any major battles around that area, they were attacked almost daily. Now, I understand this. Daily. Yeah. From about the 20th of April, 1900, right until the end of the war in 1902. Gee whiz. <laughs> okay. Yo. Yeah. That's the intensity of the fight there. Um, around there. But what I find so interesting is across, across the road mm. is the Burger Monument. Oh, yeah. And that's now in honor of the local Boer commander that fought in the Anglo-Boer War. <laughs> it, unfortunately, it did, it did get vandalized um, once or two. That the local commando there has, again, the rather dubious distinction of the first Free State Burger killed in the Anglo-Boer War came from the Harry Smith commando. Okay. <laughs> Poor guy by the name of Fred Johnson. It's not a very Afrikaans name, so I'm not sure yeah. what he's doing in the Boer Commando. But, but yeah. Fred, Fred Johnson was on the side of the Boers, and uh, he's commemorated there. They should have called him Fricky. <laughs> Fricky Janssen. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and, and again, they Harry Smith is at one of those um, strategic points. I mean, because you're looking at the mountains and the mountain passes, and their job yes. and their orders were to guard the mountain passes to prevent the British From, actually advancing yeah. up. Into the into the Transvaal. So here you've got these two monuments: one for the Scots Guards and and, and uh, the Grenadier Guards, and over the road you've got the Burgers, the Burger Monument. I'm sure they're still sort of shooting horrible glances at each other <laughs> across the main road in Harry Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Again, Harry Smith produces one of our 1952 Van Riebeek monuments. Oh, and that's again yeah. one of the unusual ones because it's. It, and it, it commemorates the arrival of the of Jan van Riebeek in 1652. Yes, yes. So the tricentennial of van Riebeek's arrival is commemorated there in Harry Smith. And 
again, we, we haven't come across a lot of them. Yeah, where was the other one that you mentioned? Yo, it was in uh, some funny little town down in the Cape. I'll have to go and research that one again. Yeah. I can picture it. I can picture the monument, but I cannot for the life of me remember exactly what little town it was in. <laughs> and yeah, Jan van Riebeck, commander of the Cape for 10 years. He set it up. He, he started the whole settlement and he built built the first houses and the gardens and got everything up and running. Yeah. And then he was um, promoted and eventually moved off to Indonesia. And he actually died. He eventually died in Indonesia a couple of years later. And again, Van Riebeek, a lot of stuff gets blamed on Van Riebeek. <laughs> he was just the loyal, com- he was the loyal company employee doing yeah. what the Dutch East India Company wanted him to do, set up a halfway station. Yeah, for the they, ships, so that the ships can actually make it. And I hear the rain yeah, coming. The rain is coming. <laughs> it has chased me from Johannesburg. Apparently, Johannesburg is now in sunshine, and the rain has followed me here. <laughs> <laughs> and another one that's in the, in that area, the actual Harry Smith Commandos. You got the Boer, you got the Boer War Monument, and you got the Harry Smith Commando Monument, which are two separate, yeah, yeah. separate monuments. There, there's also an old blockhouse there. Um, into the close to the botanical gardens, but it's an interesting digression again. If you if you do take that road off down to the Sturkfontein Dam, that's where you hit that favourite monument monument of mine, the Kalfutfrau. Oh yes, yes. Monument. You got the Deborah Retief or the Retief Rock Monument there. You've also got a little spot called the Blade for Eitzert Monument. Blade for Eitzert means um, yeah. happy, happy future or uh, um, happy possibilities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as a rough translation. Because that's apparently where Petra Tief stood and looked out over Natal. Because you get the most beautiful views there. If you, if yeah. you do take that road, you can stand there at the power station of the Sturkfontein Dam. Yeah. And it's an interesting, again, it's an interesting one because the Stokemantine Dam was built as part of our electricity supply system because they run the turbines yes, at yes. night to generate electricity. Then during the day when we've got excess power, we actually pump water back into the dam. Yeah. There's a whole system of pipes and tunnels and all sorts of chuduntas. <laughs> but you're standing on the turbines in the mountain. They buried it in the mountain. You don't see it. Yeah. But you get yes. the most beautiful views out over... Over KZN, yeah. Can you can you still can you still hear this? Was the rain really messing up the sound here? <laughs> it's coming down now. That's coming down. Yeah. So that that's your one choice if you do decide to go down that way, and the other way, of course, is over Van Rienen's Pass. Now both the, both those paths, both those roads, eventually sort of come come together down near a little town called Freer. But if you do take the Van Rienen's Pass, you actually get to the smallest church in South Africa. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tiny little church, little Catholic church. It's called the Little Church of Van Rienen. Okay. And was built by Mr. Matthews in honor of his son who died in a mine accident in 1925. And uh, his son was the name of Landolf. Landolf Matthews okay. died in that accident. But he managed to save the lives of eight other miners. Oh, wow. So yeah. the church has got eight seats. <laughs> wow. That's the okay. size of the church. You've got eight seats yes. in an altar. Okay, that's actually <laughs> very special. That's very, yeah. very cool. And it's a, like it's become an obligatory stop. When you try when you do the Fundarinas pass, you you always stop there to go and have a look at that little church. Yeah. And there's always weddings and things that happen in that little church and this is a very cute, very special little spot. Yeah, yeah. 
That's, no matter which of those roads you you actually take now, when you come down off off the escarpment, you're now heading down, and your next major landmark there is the Spionkop Dam. Ah, yes. And when I was prepping for this for this show, I was going, my word, we could actually get bogged down in that area. <laughs> because that entire Spionkop, you've got Spionkop, you've got Ladysmith, you've got a whole range of places there commemorated because of the Second Anglo-Boer War. Yeah, yeah. But a little bit further on, you now hit the Fort Trekkers. You're going past Blokrans, you're going past Fechlar, you're going past Seilar, you're going uh-huh. past Rendsburg Koppi. Okay. Those all date back to after Petra Tief was killed by Dingan. Okay. And the Zulu armies came and attacked the Fort Trekkers, who had come down there past where the Kalfoot Fro is. Okay. That was the route yeah. the Fort Trekkers took. They okay. came down the escarpment there and settled in there just south of the, what is now the Spionkop Dam. Yeah. And the Zulu armies, after the murder of Dingan, came through and wiped out all of the foot trekkers, or tried to wipe out all those foot trekker encampments yeah. in that area. So that's, again, it's a whole story all on its own. Yes. And then, of course, you've got Ladysmith, which is one of the sieges of the Anglo-Boer War that lasted months and months and months, um, where the Boers managed to besiege the British garrison in Ladysmith. Yeah, yeah. So you've got that whole story, but again, there's just too much... To diverge to, so I thought, let me. I'd rather just carry on down, down the down the N3, and we can we'll come back, maybe do an entire episode on that uh, foot tracker incident, and yeah. do entire. We got episodes to go on the Anglo-Boer War. Yeah, but there is one interesting little spot, and if we skip all the foot tracker stuff there, we get to the Winston Churchill capture site. Oh, okay. Winston Churchill. Yeah. Full of himself, came out to South Africa to fight in the Anglo-Boer War as a <laughs> as a lieutenant, and um, he actually arrived as a war correspondent. He had a he had a commission in one of the regiments, but he came as a war correspondent. Okay, and he got caught up in the siege of Ladysmith. Yeah, and one of the tactics the commander of the of, of Ladysmith used to see what was happening was actually to send out a train. And he, he armor-plated this train. Okay. So he hung yeah. all sorts of sheets, sheets of steel and stuff over the locomotive so yeah. that the bullets wouldn't penetrate the, the steam tanks and stuff. Yeah. And this train used to sally forth to go and see what the Boers were up to. <laughs> and it didn't take long before the Boers realized they can derail this thing. Yeah. So, of course, they see the train coming, and next thing they, they blow up the railway line. So... <laughs> The train crashes and a little bit of a fight ensues, and Winston Churchill is captured by the Boers. Sorry for you, no? Cravio. <laughs> <laughs> when, you make, when, you, when you look for trouble, trouble generally finds you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But anyway, he's taken to Pretoria. He's held in one or two little prisons in Pretoria. The Starts Model School in Pretoria was at, then at that stage a, a prison. He manages to escape. Oh, yeah. And he then walks all the way to Witbank. 
he finds someone to help him out in Vidbank, they hide him in a train, he disappears off to Maputo, Lorenzo Marx, and makes his way back to Great Britain. <laughs> so it's, ac- it's actually a heck of a story. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, if he wasn't so full of himself, it would probably be a better story. Leg between his legs. He definitely used that story to his own <laughs> advantage later on as how he fought and escaped from the, yeah. from the Boers. But that, the train derailment site, you can actually go and visit there. Then you keep on going down the highway, and the next little town that you hit is Escort. Escort, yeah. Again, one of those little towns, unfortunately, that has been bypassed by the highway. I remember going down to Durban as a, as a kid before the N3 was built, and you're going on the old R- R103 now. You go through yeah. all these towns. And an obligatory stop was to stop at the Escort factory. That's where the Escort meat factory got its name from. Yes, Escort. Yes. It's in Escort. Yeah. <laughs> and we always used to buy Viennas and sausages and, and yummy stuff at the factory for pakos. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's sort of one of those family traditions that is long gone. Yeah. But that's one of my memories of that trip down to Durban. But uh, in Escort, of course, again, you've got the uh, a war memorial. Just an interesting one there is the Prince of Wales actually laid a wreath at this particular one in 1925. So that makes it just a little bit... A little bit different. Then, of course, you got the Great Trek Monument in Escort. <coughs> and you've got a one or two other little interesting spots there. You've got a place called Fort Durnford. Fort what? Fort Durnford. Dunford. D-U-N-F-O-R-D. Fort oh, Dunford. Okay. And there was a... A rebellion in South Africa by the Zulus in 1873. Langa Libalele led this rebellion against the government. He didn't want to pay tax. Ah. So kind of sympathized with the guy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's, again, that whole thing is tied, tied in that area. You're close to the Drakensberg. The Drakensberg is one of the last holdouts of the Khoisan. The Khoisan has been displaced wherever they were throughout Southern Africa. They were displaced by the Europeans. They were displaced by the Zulus. They were displaced by everyone. These poor guys took an absolute hammering and eventually one of their last refuges was, refuges was in the mountains of the Drakensberg. Yeah. But they made an awful lot of their living by raiding um, farms and cattle and, oh, and that kind okay. of stuff. So the fort also played a role in trying to secure that area because you're very close to the Drakensberg. <laughs> <laughs> we both jumped on Lord. that one. No, we both jumped on that one. That one caught me by surprise as well. Don't worry. Uh, I almost <laughs> thought I had to rocket drop my ass. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, that was a good one. That one. That was a. That was a. That was a. That was a good clap there. Yes, I even got a, one heck of a spike on the audio. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a big stone block as a proper fort is. There's a little museum in there. And um, it's got a bit of military, a bit of archaeology, a little bit of town history in it. Yeah. And again, it's one of those little spots that's definitely worth actually stopping to have a look at. Then the N3 sort of bends down. You, it's, it's, it's a bit of a windy sort of, you know, you start to hit those typical hills of KZN. And then you hit one of my favorite parts of KZN. And... The heart of that is Nottingham Road. Ah, yeah. And 
Nottingham Road has got this little beautiful little spot, the Nottingham Road Hotel. And I know we don't normally do commercials for properties and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Fort Nottingham, again, was one of those spots built to help protect the residents of that area from the Drakensberg. Okay. And um, it was first called the Railway Hotel because it was right next to the railway. The first customers were the British soldiers, um, <laughs> obviously looking for a cold beer or two. Yeah. But uh, it's become an institution in that area. The hotel itself is just a beautiful, beautiful spot. And uh, the rumor is that that room number 10 is haunted. Oh. So... I want to go stay there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go speak to those books. <laughs> but Notting Road is 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 the is the heart of an entire like arts and crafts route down that side down that side of KZN. Okay. And it's become an absolute haven for whatever for leather workers, for potters, for artists, for metal workers, for oh, shoes, okay. for you know, all sorts of places. And you can stop there. You get a map of the local area. And all these little shops and businesses are located on there. And it's yeah. got craft breweries. And it's got little restaurants. And you can spend two, three days just in that Nottingham Road area yeah. visiting all these little shops and arts and crafts places. And the most magnificent, magnificent, magnificent little spot yes. to go and, and um, spend some time. And it's called the Midlands Meander. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. You've got to. At, at some point for a weekend or for a for a couple of days, you book into one of the many, many accommodation units down there, and trust me, they can use it right now. Yeah, yeah. And you spend the days exploring. And my some of my favorite shoes come from that area. Whenever I go there, I detour and I stop at this one shoe shop and I buy myself four or five pairs of shoes and then I know for two, three, four years I don't have to buy shoes again. <laughs> okay. And it's that kind of space. You know, yeah. it's that kind of, and it's just good quality, really, really cool yes. stuff. So Christmas shopping and stuff, go to the Midlands Meander and um, and stop down, down that side. But then you sort of come down and just before you hit the town of Howick, there's a tiny little outpost called Lions River. And just outside of that is where Nelson Mandela was captured in August of 1962. Ah, oh, okay. So next to the road, there's a little Nelson Mandela monument plaquey thing, a little couple, little bit of brickwork, and that's where the cops actually discovered he was Nelson Mandela. Oh, okay. And over the road, they've now made a Nelson Mandela Museum-type heritage site spot. And um, armed police flagged down a car that had a roadblock. They obviously had some intelligence. Stopped the car. Yeah. Nelson Mandela was in disguise. Okay. But uh, the cops did actually, the police did actually recognize him. And on this specific trip, Mandela was, he'd really been on the run for about 17 or 18 months. Yo. Okay. So he spent a long time ducking and diving. Yeah. And he just had a meeting with Chief Latuli in a place called Groutville. When the cops stopped him, he gave a pseudonym, but the cops recognized who he was. And that capture site was now the the first incident in the run-up <coughs> to what eventually became known as the Ravonia Treason Trial. And the Ravonia Treason Trial is what led to him being put in prison for 27 years. Ah, okay. So that's just outside Howick. And 
that um, interpretation centers actually got a stunning statue or artwork. I don't exactly know how to describe it. <laughs> but when you look at it and you go up to it closely, it looks like arbitrary pieces of metal stuck in the ground. It looks like stuff from a, almost like from a plane wreck. <laughs> it makes no okay. sense. Yeah. But as you go away from it and you take the different angles, you actually yeah. see Nelson Mandela's profile. Oh. Coming okay. up through the shadows and through the light reflections, through these sticks that are stuck in the ground. Oh. It's the most amazing piece of art. Oh. And as you walk up to it, yeah. his face disappears and all you see is these like rod stuck in the ground and the further you move away you actually see Nelson Mandela's face coming out of it oh, uh, it's an absolutely awesome. stunning stunning piece of art that is awesome yeah oh. Howick of course is just um, one of those lacquer little KZN towns it's just outside the Midmar Dam Midmar Dam known for the swimming race called yeah, the, the Midmar, Midmar Mile. Mile yeah. I don't know anybody who wants to swim one mile I don't know I've never come to terms with uh, that one. Quite all right. That's a long. That's a long swim. I lie. I've, I I had to do that once when one of my scuba diving courses. Yeah. We had to had to do a endurance test for oh, a. Uh, the lady I proposed to in the Boeing, uh, she actually did that. Uh, the Midmile mile. mile. Yeah. No, my young my youngest daughter at fourteen is thinking of doing the Midmile Mile. She's into a water polo. I mean, she's half fish. I don't know where she gets it from. It's not for me. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> She's, she's thinking I wanted to enter for the mid-mile mile, and a mile is a long way to swim. Yeah. I promise it's an awfully long way to swim. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, I see we're uh, kind of out of time. No, that's Eddie. perfect. Um, that leaves us enough for another entire episode, I think, going down through Howick, Peter Maritzburg, yeah. through, through the Valley of a Thousand Hills and into Durban. Valley so of that's a Thousand cool. Hills. Valley of a okay. Thousand Hills again, beautiful. Oh, yeah. some, I, I can get lyrical about some of these, some of these, some of these places <laughs> when you drive. It's just such a pleasure to drive these roads and highways. Yeah, just yeah. see this countryside unfolding in front of you. Awesome. Okay, well, let's go play out with some music and hope you guys enjoy. Please go take a look at their road trip um, app and of course the pit stops app as well for the guys that's got diesel uh, vehicles. Yeah, go. Uh, Take a look at those apps, and yeah, it might help you save some money on your diesel next time. Okay, enjoy. Enjoy.